Hi, and welcome to the second episode of our Conversations with the Lincolnite podcast series. My name is Emily Norton, and I'm joined today by primary school teacher and equality champion Graham Andre. We'll be discussing the concept of gender neutral classrooms and how stereotypes affect the way children see themselves, and practical tips on how schools and families can break down gender barriers. Graham has been in education for 20 years, you've been a teacher for seven, and in 2017 he appeared on BBC programme about gender bias called No More Boys and Girls. Now the idea is something he's wholeheartedly embraced, in fact it's brought him to Lincoln today for a talk as part of the University of Lincoln's Be Inspired lecture series. Now you must feel very strongly about the idea to be spreading the message across the country, Graham. Yeah, I do. It's, um, it wasn't something that I'd ever thought about before doing the documentary. You know, as a teacher, when you do your training, etc., etc., you you don't ever think about the, your, the language that you use, the way that you talk to the children, the things that you teach, and those messages, especially those you know stereotypical messages that the children are getting, and the impact that it has on them. So, I'd never thought about it before, and since doing the documentary, I've looked into it more and more and more, um, and it's just such a huge, it has such a huge impact on our children. So, yeah, I feel really strongly about it. And the programme itself, I mean, it, it was something that uh, critics called shocking and even, and even harmful. But I think the title of the series may have been the most inflammatory part of it. Um, to be clear, rather than extremes like banning words such as he and she, um, it was more of a social experiment to break down perceived gender stereotypes, say blue versus pink or assigned job roles for different genders. Is that a fair assessment, would you say? Yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, the title was something the BBC came up with uh, and I, I do think it was there to sort of get some interest initially and the, the, the initial reactions to it from the from the press and, and and people on Twitter social media etc before they'd actually seen the program itself quite negative but um, uh, as after they'd watched the documentary that that seemed to change they sort of looked at it as ever you know it, it's something that they didn't realize you know that these messages and things from all over from toys and from from um, TV from movies from books from parents the way that you talk to your children um, I don't think they realize the impact it has on our kids and the, the negative impact it can have on them too so it seemed to change there was a shift in in, in um, the reaction to it once it had been aired. So once people got their heads around yeah. the idea of what, what you're actually trying to say about the, the impacts of, and we're talking about things like toys, books, Absolutely, and, and, yeah. and, and, and yeah. you, you mentioned in particular negative impacts that they had on children. Mm. What sort of things do you mean? What, what, how can you describe them? Well, we've, and you know, you work in a school and um, you think you know your children really well. Uh, and I like to think that I did, knew, my, knew my children really well and had good relationships with them. But um, what you didn't realise is how they perceived themselves and how they perceived others. So simple questions that were asked to the children, like who do you think are, are stronger, boys or girls? And everybody, all the girls, all the boys said that it was boys that were stronger, boys that are cleverer, boys could do a lot more than girls. So the girls, because of all these messages from everywhere really, they had a real uh, low confidence, low self-confidence and their own perception of themselves. Whereas boys, of course, they saw themselves as, as you know, brilliant and they could do everything and they were the best. And actually what happened was when they weren't the best or, or they didn't win, etc., etc., they really struggled with that. So they really struggled with their emotions. So on the flip side, you had the girls there that, were, that struggled with their own self-identity and, and, and how they perceived themselves. But you also struggled, boys struggled with um, how to talk about their own emotions and, and that's that's almost as important, if not more important, you know, so it's a real, it's a tricky thing to overcome that. 
Mm. So it's something that's sort of subconsciously been just sort of passed down and, and, and taught to children almost, isn't yeah. it? And, yeah. and it's a real self-esteem thing, it sounds mm -hmm. like, by, yeah. um, by comparison with, yeah. with, with females in particular. Was this something that you thought about at all before the programme? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, you know, uh, it, was a, it was a real learning curve for me. I had to, you know, I had to take on quite a lot myself. There was, there was quite, there was quite a lot of um, unconscious bias that I was using within the classroom. So I'd use pet names, love and sweet pea for the girls and mate and fella for the boys. And of course, every time I was doing that, it was telling the boys and girls that they were different. It was, they were different to each other, that the boys were, you know, they could be mated with me and things like that. And the girls could be less sweet and lovely. So it was reinforcing those differences every time I opened my mouth. And they actually used a clicker in one of my lessons, sort of an hour and a half lesson. Mm. And um, I used terms of endearment 147 times in an hour and a half. So wow, were you was, surprised by that? Yeah, I, I, was, yeah. I was really surprised. And, you know, it's, it's something that our head teacher, she had brought up and she said, you know, you're using these terms of endearment. She also said to me, you choose boys more than girls when it comes to them answering questions, because quite often you'll find that boys, because of their high confidence, they will put their hand up and want to answer. Mm. So um, we put little things in place like, there was a board in the classroom, so every time I used a term of endearment, the children were policing that and they'd stick a sticker on there so that I had to make a, a conscious effort really not to use those. Mm -hmm. And it was things like we had these colourful balls and there were names on them. Instead of me choosing children to answer questions, I would just pick a name at random and, mm -hmm. and that seemed to work a lot better. What kind of things did you begin to start thinking about? differently a lot of things you said you you, you were completely unconscious yeah. of and and you you put these sort of changes into place did you see a difference in the children once you started putting those changes into place yeah i did um the girls seemed to to grow in belief so i i put those changes in with the names and using the balls to to choose randomly mm. but also things like the the books within the classroom we had a lot of gender stereotypical books, and unfortunately, that was my fault too. Because as a teacher, sometimes you just want your children to be able to want you want them to read, mm -hmm. and so I'd go to the works or the book bookshops. And uh, what is a gender stereotypical? Oh, book? I know. Yeah, I'm just doing, yeah. It's it's basically those. That, so the books for the boys I would choose would be like Beast Quest boys, and so you'd have lots of heroic boys doing lots of heroic things okay. and having adventures and and really positive role models. Whereas for the girls, it was all sort of like fairies and things like that. Whereas actually girls, you know, they want to be adventurous. They need to have positive role models as well. So mm -hmm. we bought in a lot of gender neutral books like The Paper Bag Princess and 10,000 Dresses and the, all these great books that actually twist the gender stereotypes, if you like. So this you is had, a fairly new pattern in books. It is, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you had lots of really powerful, fantastic female role models, which mm -hmm. girls could look up to. But the boys also, you know, they seem to, to look at these role models and they enjoyed the books just as much. Mm. Uh, and they could, they sort of, their perception of girls from before as being, you know, fairies and wanting just to clean the house and be princesses and wait for the prince, um, it changed. And also the, the books that, of the boys, like The 10,000 Dresses and The Boy Who Lost His Bumble, these are books that showed that boys could be, that could show their emotions and they mm. could show something different. They didn't have to be adventurous and go out fighting and things like that. that actually, they could just want to be caring mm. and that's just as important. How are you and your class different now? Have you got a, a room full of adventurous girls who are, who are out there and wanting to be the hero of the story? Or? It's strange actually, they stayed with me for a year. So I was with them in year three. Yeah. 
Um, so I had them for that year, but I kept them for another year. I kept the same class for two okay. years, which is which never happens normally. But Caroline wanted our head. She wanted uh, she wanted to see what would what it would be like, and because I'd made such good progress with them, and it was quite nice for me too to follow them through. So that they've gone off now. They're in year five, and they've gone off with another teacher. But um, you can see quite a difference in that class. You know, you have got a lot of, of, of really quite confident girls. But we've we've taken what happened within my class and it's gone across the school so all teachers now have these gender neutral books and when we look at our curriculum we make sure that we look at if we're looking at scientists we look at um, female role models as well so yeah, female scientists have so, their like um career aspirations and things have they changed do you think over the last few years yeah i think so i think so i mean we were talking about you know stem and coding and things like mm. that earlier and i think our girls are much more interested in those that side of things now yeah. our boys we've seen a bigger intake in our boys taking up dance classes and ballet, um, which is fantastic. And our girls' football team, mm-hmm. um, who couldn't, couldn't win a game two, three years ago, it wasn't because they weren't good. I think it was because they just didn't believe in themselves. They're now um, the champions of the Isle of Wight, so they've just won a cup in the league. So um, wow. we are seeing uh, quite a change across the whole school in the way that our boys and girls perceive themselves. Mm. The sh- most shocking thing for me was when we asked the girls about how do they perceive themselves, basically as a list of all of these adjectives. And they had to circle how they felt about themselves. And one or two of the girls described themselves as ugly. That really shocked me because they're not ugly at all. Mm. They're fantastic girls. Mm. Uh, and that changed as we went on because they, you know, they had a, a greater... They, they knew they weren't. We kept telling them they weren't. You know, they kept telling them that actually you're fantastic and, uh, and you can do and you can be whatever you want. And um, we had lots of aspiring, inspiring people in. And you see them now. Uh, you see those girls now. And, you know, one of them actually, she's leading. We're just doing this uh, global rock, J-Rock. And she's leading the performance there. And she's fantastic. And so that, for me, was a huge, huge change in her because she wouldn't have done that before. And from, saying that she was ugly, she's now sort of fronting this big school production, so that's really great. Well, you must feel really proud of her. (laughs) Boys and girls, you can't argue, are biologically different, and Mm -hmm. some might say, oh, what's wrong with realising and even celebrating those differences? Um, Others might argue social tradition, there's always a discomfort with the idea of, say, encouraging a boy to wear a dress, or even pink in some circumstances. Um, What do you say to those people? Well, um, what I say is that actually, do you know what, if a boy wants to, you know, wants to love blue, wants to be adventurous, and that's, that's fine. And if you've got a girl and she wants to be a princess and she loves pink, that's fine as well. But what we need to do is we need to make sure that these children um, are exposed to all possibilities. That actually, they don't have to be a princess and wait for a prince to look after you or whatever. You can be adventurous and go out and do those things. And if you're a boy, you don't always have to like blue and football and everything else. You can be creative and like the arts and be caring as well. Um, so it, that's fine. It's fine, actually. If you know if they go by the, the traditional gender stereotypes, you're not going to see that on the old podcast, but if you go by the traditional gender stereotypes, then that, that's great. But as long as those children have had the opportunity to be to to sample the other things and know that they can do and be these other things, then Mm. that's all right. How does unconsciously choosing gendered toys, clothes, books for girls and boys realistically affect them in their personality as well later in life? I think think getting to the children and, and changing these things earlier in life means that they then know that they can if they want to be. They can be whatever they want to be. They don't have to go with traditional gender stereotypes and norms. So it's a hard question, that one, but I do think that um, 
if you can get in there and you can you can give these children all the opportunities possible by giving them you know different toys and showing that that boys can be caring that actually they can do the housework and the washing up and they can look after the baby hopefully when they're older they're going to be you know they're going to be fathers that look after children anyway so mm. i don't see the, the the problem in boys actually playing with dolls because it's preparing them for later life mm. and also with girls you know if they want to get, be creative and build and and then it might mean that they move on to some of the you know more more stem style subjects which uh, at the moment, they're they're really not. So I think it's important that we we do these things with children at an early age and give them all these opportunities, so that they realise when when they're older that they can do them. Mm. And you believe that it, they won't. It, it starts with something simple like the words yeah, you use and, and not yeah. and not using those those words to categorise a, a certain uh-huh. group. So like you you mentioned before, using love and and, yeah, and mate, and, sweet and it's pea. all and those tiny little changes you think build up. Yeah, and it's, it's, you know, it's making the home corner, if, if you're in the early years or in a preschool, you know, it's making the, the home corner available not just to the girls but to the boys as well. And it's making uh, the, the more creative areas where you're building and things like that, that the girls can go there as well. So mm. it's hard, but it's, it's, it is trying to promote that girls mm. do those creative things that can build and things as well. And the boys can also be, mm. can also be caring. Generally speaking, parents and teachers listening um, might be completely innocent to their gendering, um, for want of a better word. (laughs) (laughs) Do you find that those who you speak with are open to the idea, generally? Uh, They are normally, actually, yeah. I mean, I've had some really interesting conversations on social media, especially Twitter, people that really didn't get it at all. Mm. I try, if I can, to try and talk people around. You can't always, but uh, I have done. Uh, Most of the time, people, like you say, they don't realise that this unconscious bias thing, they don't realise they're actually doing it. And then until until they look at themselves and look at themselves in, in the classroom or at home or or wherever they are, they are quite open to it mm. and they do want to make a change most of the time. Mm. And I think that's important too. Mm. I didn't realise I was doing it. And it, it is, it's silly little things like people have said to me, teachers have said to me, you know, I'm in the classroom now and we, we used to line up boy, we'll have a line of girls and a line of boys to go to the assembly hall or go to the dinner hall and things like that and you've got to think of different ways of having our children lined up we can't we don't want to segregate the girls and the boys each time and it's also things like you know can I have two strong boys to to take this bench for me please and Mm. things like that you know Mm. it's things like that that people think oh wow it's it's only a small thing but actually you know those are the sort of things that people think back to their school days and totally identify with well that's perfectly normal absolutely girls are just as capable you know of carrying a bench so yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's getting your head around that is, yeah. new way of thinking, I suppose, yeah, isn't it? In an age where um, gender neutrality sums up no end of different ideas, mm. um, you know, uh, transgender issues yeah. are, are more than topical. So I think there's such a wide spectrum of, of avenues that people might perhaps think that you're going down with this theory. So it's it's interesting to really hear specifically what it's about and how it can be practically put into place, yeah. uh, sort of in the home, in the in the school. It's um, about giving our children all the opportunities. Um, to be whatever they want to be. What's the most common criticism you get? What, from the show or From just... parents, from teachers who are perhaps looking at this as a brand new idea. Yeah. I think a lot of people, uh, and we, I was talking about this earlier actually, it's women seem to, to re- have really grasped it and grasp the change and want things to change. It's the men that we struggle with a little bit. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so there's a bit of a divide on Yeah, there's on a the bit internet. of a divide. And, uh, and I don't know whether it's because, you know, actually for men who have all the privileges, in, you know, in life, or it seems to have all the privileges, they don't want things to change and they don't see a problem with it. 
whereas I think there's probably a, a bigger need for men to change than there is for women. And it's, you know, gender equality is good for everybody. You know, it's not just good for men, it's not just good for women, it's good for everybody. Well, that's so interesting that there's a, there's a divide on gender equality between genders. I know, I mean, I was, I was talking about the, um, you know, the Gillette advert earlier. Okay. And um, the, the, the backlash about that, mm-hmm. you know, to be better men or whatever it sure, was. Sure, yeah, yeah. And um, if, when you looked at the social media and you look at the comments board and things, it was, it was mainly men that you know, were really negative about it. And it's because they don't want to embrace that change, I don't think. Mm. Uh, not all men, there are lots of men that really want to. Mm. Going back to your question, I'd say uh, it, the, the negativity has probably come from men saying that actually we don't, we don't need this change, what's it all about, you know? It's interesting you should say that I understand that you'll be speaking a little bit as well about why we need male role Mm -hmm. models for children. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, and again, it's looking at men are three times more likely to take their lives than than women. And that, I think that all stems back to men being boys that can't talk about their feelings. And that's because they haven't got the role models there to show them that men can actually be caring. So if you get, can get if you can get some men working in the early years sector, working in primary schools, that can then model that actually men can be caring. They can talk about their feelings. Is there a and shortage of, of men in those professions? Yeah, there's uh, it's three percent at the moment. Three percent of the, wow. the early years and primary school workforce are men. It's not just a, a UK problem either. It's um. I looked at looked across the across Europe, and it's fifteen and twenty percent in Norway and Sweden and places mm-hmm. like. That. And you'd think there would be a lot higher. Places you think are fairly ahead. Yeah, in absolutely. These so areas, it's yeah. so there's a lot there. There's Why a lot. do you think that is? Can I was talking about this earlier, and you think uh, I think sometimes it's difficult when you're, you're a man going into a, what you think is a mainly female sector that you haven't got that support network there. Um, you haven't got other men around you. And again, I think it's the same for girls that go into coding and things like that. I think there's that. I think there's a stigma around it. I think there's, you know, it's it's quite low paid. You, I think people look at it, and it doesn't have, it doesn't have the importance maybe of a secondary school job. Although I've had a couple of secondary school teachers at our school, male teachers that have come to primary schools, and they've really struggled. They've really struggled with how how demanding the role is. So I think that's that's a problem too. And I think it just needs an just needs a, a, an overhaul, a look at. And I mean, I, I was uh, when I first left school, I did my nursery nurse training, and uh, because I wanted to work with kids, and um, that was the, the the way I went. I didn't think I was ready for teaching it, mm-hmm. so I taught. I, I learned to be an NEB. I trained to be an NEB, and uh, I was one of forty-four. There was forty-four on our course, and I was the only man there. Really? And um, and that was difficult at times, but I got through it mm-hmm. because it's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine it's you know it's 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 difficult. We need to sort of open the doors a little bit for to get men in there because uh, you know, not just our boys but our girls need that that positive mm. male role model as mm. well. We've got lots of one-parent families that you know don't see men being caring and um, talking about their feelings and. Mm. and they what need needs to, to happen? Too. Do you think what needs to change to encourage more men into the profession? That's a really good. I don't know if I've got the answer to that. Mm. I think we need uh, we need more men out there talking about it. There are some brilliant organisations. Uh, I did a talk at the Bristol Men in Early Years last year, and there are lots of fantastic people there. Um, people are starting to talk about it. I think there are lots of lots of really great organisations promoting women in STEM and, and things like that, but there doesn't seem to be this drive to get men into caring professions yeah, that, and yeah. dance and the arts and things like that, which I think needs to shift a little bit as well. It's st- again, I think it's starting to, but it's. Um, it's, it's not gonna, going to work mm. and change overnight. Mm. Um, I think we need everybody on board, and mm. I mean, 3% is, is ridiculously low. 
Uh, and again, it doesn't mirror society, you know, and we need to try and do something about that. Mm. You may um, be inspiring people, maybe well, inspiring you never men know. right now. You feel <laughs> very passionate about your job. What, what's, uh, what's the best thing about your job? Working with the children, actually. Mm. That's the best bit about being in the classroom. Yeah, working with kids and seeing them, them change and, you know, those little light bulb moments. It's a great job. You know, kids are great as well. I'm lucky in my school too in that we're allowed to be caring within our school. Yeah. You know, kids are kids and they're very young and they have lots of things that go on within their lives and we're allowed to, you know, cuddle them if they need a cuddle and, and talk to them, which is really sweet. Um, before we run out of time, this may resonate with many readers listening, so um, what would be your top tips for making gender-neutral changes in schools and homes? Oh, brilliant, thank you. Right, my top tips, my first one would be to look at yourself and look at the language you use um, with the children. Again, I didn't realise that, you know, my unconscious conscious bias, the way I spoke to the children, uh, the way I picked boys more than girls, etc., etc. I didn't realise I did that. So if you can't video yourself and look at it yourself, then maybe get someone else to look at you mm-hmm. uh, and see see what sort of language you use. Mm-hmm. Do boys, you choose boys more than girls to answer questions. Mm-hmm. At home, again, as well, when you give chores to your children, look at the chores that you give to If you've got boys and girls, look at the chores you give to them. Boys can wash up, boys can do all sorts of things like that, and girls can go out in the garden and, and help dad mm-hmm. with DIY, etc., etc. So there's little things like that. Do you start chucking away all the books and movies that have got the, the fairy tale princess no, damsel no, in distress and the, no, the boy hero definitely coming not. in for this? I think, yeah, do you know, that's, really, that's a really good point, actually. I'd watch them, you know, it's, was it Kira Knightley that said she, knew she wouldn't let her children watch a couple right, of films, yeah, yeah. isn't it? And she, you know, that's good on her for saying that. But actually what I'd do is I'd sit my children down and watch it and then talk about it afterwards, you know, and actually say, this is this, prin- this princess, you know, she's not a fantastic role model because... There she is, she's waited for a prince, and as soon as the prince came along and gave her a kiss, um, they've decided to get married. <laughs> they don't know if they get on at all, you know, they might, not, they might not gel at all, there might not be any chemistry, but she decides <laughs> oh, to marry. Oh, you're killing the romance. Yeah, yeah, I know, she decides to marry him straight away. So, yeah, I think you, you talk about, you, you talk about the, you know, especially the fairy tales and things, mm. actually, they're, they're not great role models. Mm. Mm. Um, but there are some, some, especially some of the newer films, there are some fantastic female role models now. And mm. um, I'd also look at, you know, look at the, the books that you, talk, you, you read to your children. What are the stereotypes like on there, in there? Are they predominantly male protagonists, are the heroes within the story? Or is, there, is, uh, is it that the, the females are the, the baddies or the, the weak? Or, and um, so I'd look at that and sometimes change it about, you know, if you're, you know, if you're reading a story change the genders within the, within the story can be quite, quite a good little tip. But there are some brilliant books about now that, uh, that, that break those gender stereotypes. So that will be, that, that will be something else. And I'd just, I'd just make sure that you, your children know that they can be whatever they want to be, you know, regardless, of, regardless of their gender or their sex, that they can be whatever they want to be. Well, that's a really fascinating discussion and thank you very much to Graham for joining us. And do let us know your thoughts on the discussion today on thelincolnite.co.uk or via social media. Thank you for listening.